What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. What is going on, guys? Brendan Burns here for another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Today, this is going to be a solo episode where I'm going to be talking about relationships. And the topic today of this episode is from addictive to enlightened relationships. And I've spent a lot of time doing my own inner work, my own inner healing on relationships. And this is going to be a really fascinating experience because most of what I eat, what, what I teach on relationships is actually very much Western modalities, things like attachment theory, things like processing emotions. And this is going to be much more of an Eastern Buddhist Eckhart Tolle inspired approach to relationships. So, and, and as I'm doing this, this episode, I have with me one of my favorite books, which is called Practicing the Power of Now. Practicing the Power of Now is a shorter version of Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. Both books I strongly recommend not only for relationships, but for any area of life. So I want to start from the beginning of chapter seven of this book, which talks about love, what what Eckhart Tolle calls love-hate relationships. So basically what Tolle says here is, it seems that most love relationships become love-hate relationships before long. So he talks about, on the one hand, there's this concept of what a relationship is, which is very much driven by fulfillment of, I'm me, and I want more happiness in my life, so let me go find a partner who can help me make happy. And he calls this a an imperfect definition of love. Um, on the other hand, he calls true love, or enlightened relationship, something where you are very much at inner peace with yourself. And as problems arise in the relationship, it's very much on you to pay attention to your experience and your pain. So that's probably one of my favorite, and it it really challenged my system of relationships, of understanding, because there's so much of a desire to want to blame our partners and blame the other person for our pain. So he's talking about relationships, and he says, true love has no opposite. If your love has an opposite, meaning hate or anger or conflict, then it is not love, but what he calls a strong ego need for a more complete and deeper sense of self. So it's focused, again, the person that you're with, you attach onto them in relationship and and they're hopefully meeting your needs and making you happy. And essentially what it is, is it's a cover up for your own pain which is a very interesting thing to even think about that, oh, this person, they're making me happy right now, so there's no conflict in the relationship. And then ultimately, there is conflict because I'm in pain, but really it's that partner of yours pulling pain out of you, exposing pain that was already inside of you initially. So after the initial euphoria, the honeymoon phase of a relationship has passed, uh, there is so much unhappiness so much pain in intimate relationships. They do not cause pain, and this is from the practicing the power of now. Relationships do not cause pain and unhappiness. They bring out the pain and unhappiness that is already inside of you. 
when I first read that, this was about a year ago, <clears throat> I was in a relationship with someone who had a past that involved a lot of infidelity. And I was in this relationship living in so much fear and pain and uncertainty. And it was so hard for me to not blame my partner for that pain. Now, ultimately, I left that relationship. And we'll talk a little bit more about why and about <clears throat> what it means to be conscious. However, when I was suffering in that relationship, the majority of my suffering came from my own experience of my pain from my past. So here he says, this is one reason why most people are always trying to escape from the present moment and seeking some kind of salvation. That's the big thing that Eckhart Tolle is talking about in the context of relationships. It's the concept of fulfillment and what he calls salvation versus consciousness. So consciousness is really the ability to be, to exist, to, to sit, to do nothing, to find inner peace in yourself and potentially with others. That's salvation. Or I'm sorry, that's consciousness. And then salvation is some kind of someone saving you. You've probably heard this cliche term of, oh, um, you can't be in a relationship with someone else. Someone else can't make you happy until you're happy yourself. And that's true. Because if you're using this relationship either to find happiness, to avoid your own pain, to have what Eckhart Tolle calls salvation, something that's really outside of you, then no matter who your partner is or what they do, it'll never be enough. And that's a really interesting concept because it really turns into this concept of what's called having a phantom partner. A phantom, the phantom partner is a concept that actually comes up in the book Attached, which I strongly recommend. Attached, written by Amir Levine. It talks about different attachment styles, secure, avoid, and anxious. That book totally separately blew my mind for other reasons. <clears throat> and one of the things that Attached talks about, and just to quickly just list out what attachment theory is for someone who's listening to this podcast for the first time or is just looking for a refresher, is there are three main attachment styles. There's secure, there's anxious, and then there's avoidant. And the phantom partner dynamic is a is something that avoidance generally experienced most. And so secure attachment style essentially means you're open to intimacy, you're warm, you're willing to commit, you're willing to trust, you actually think about an intimate relationship as a good thing and you feel safe and are willing to open up. People who are anxious, the second attachment style, are also able to open up, but they almost open up too much and they fall too quickly and then they obsess and worry so much about the relationship. Think the person who's constantly checking their phone, refreshing, waiting for their partner or whoever they're dating to write back to them. And then lastly, there's the avoidant, which is the opposite of anxious. And avoidance put up too big of walls, they create a lot of distance, they see intimacy as a threat to their freedom and to their happiness. And naturally, as you might imagine, Anxious and avoidance date very often, and that causes so much conflict, and they clash because one person wants too much and the other can't give enough. And this concept of the phantom partner, which Eckhart Tolle talks about, is something that avoidance experience a lot, which is they're in a relationship with someone. And as I've been talking about in the introduction of this podcast, we're talking a lot about how when people feel unfulfilled in the relationship, the natural inclination is to look outward. It's to say, this is your fault. If you would just change the way you behaved, I wouldn't feel this way and I wouldn't be in pain. So you need to stop doing this or you need to change your behavior. 
By the way, that's probably the biggest complaint, the, big, the biggest source of unhappiness in relationships. If you're in a relationship right now or you think back to a relationship that you were in in the past, the biggest problem you either have or have had in a relationship is your partner did something and you didn't like it. And the next level, the layer underneath that worth exploring is what emotions, what from your past, what pain did those behaviors expose? And then here it's really important because there are some people who say no matter what your partner does, it doesn't matter. It's all about your experience. I think that's a little too extreme. Eckhart Tolle says, relationships do not cause pain and unhappiness. They bring out pain and unhappiness that is already in you. And that's fair. But there has to be some kind of line where you have a strong boundary. So, for example, let's say you come from a past where your mother was very unfaithful to your father. So if you're in a relationship with a woman who may not necessarily be unfaithful to you, but has been unfaithful in past relationships, that could bring up a lot of suffering and a lot of your own anxiety. You might be with someone who has never cheated in the past, but because one of your parents did, you're very afraid that that could happen again. And as a result, if they're flirting or even talking to a member of the opposite sex, your pain is going to come up. And then what happens is, oh, if you just wouldn't talk to people of the other sex, if you didn't have male friends, if you didn't do this, then I wouldn't be in pain and that's wrong. That's you avoiding exploring what's underneath your pain. That's avoiding what from my past, right? They bring, relationships don't cause pain, they bring up pain and unhappiness that's already in you. However, I think it's fair to say that we can draw a line and for example, if your partner is or does or has cheated on you, for example, then you can set that boundary and you can walk away and you can say, yeah, maybe this pain is still a reflection of my past. However, this is a hard boundary that I set and I'm going to walk away. Having said that, if you go to John Gottman, who I've trained with, John and Julie Gottman of the Gottman Institute, they are uh, relationship and couples counselors. If you go look at what John Gottman teaches, and if you even look at what Tony Robbins teaches on relationships, they are very willing and very open to, even if cheating or an affair partner or something of that nature has come up, focusing on repair or giving the partner who has been betrayed the option to repair and they will try to work through that. And it has happened many times where the relationship has been successfully repaired. So fascinating stuff. I'm off on a little bit of tangent now. Let's go back to what a, what a phantom partner is. A phantom partner is this hypothetical person who does not exist it's almost like it's almost like this perfect partner who will never trigger you who will never cause you pain because they behave perfectly so going back to attachment theory we have secures anxious and avoidance the avoidance the avoiders the people who avoid intimacy they're the ones who very commonly they'll be in a relationship with someone that partner of theirs is either smothering them which is very likely if they're with someone who's anxious, or in any way is bringing up some kind of pain. <clears throat> they're experiencing some kind of pain as a result of being in this relationship, and they start to either think about the one that got away, which is really a, it's like a lionization or putting on a pedestal a past partner that they don't remember a lot of pain with because it either wasn't really an intimate relationship, it may have been more of like a friendship, like an intimate friendship, or... They just think about this phantom person who doesn't exist. And they say, oh, okay, because 
there could be someone better out there. I'm going to pretend that I'm going to basically continue to blame my partner for my pain. And that's really what it comes down to. So that's a phantom partner. Hopefully that gives you a little bit more context of what an addictive relationship is. So, and this is also in the context of talking about addiction. So um, what Eckhart Tolle here says is um, you have this honeymoon phase, but then there comes a point where your partner stops um, meeting your needs or really what he calls the ego's needs, right? Chasing fulfillment, chasing salvation, salvation feel it being like saved and having someone else meet your needs which it's not their job versus having uh, consciousness and coming into your consciousness so what happens is if you're chasing salvation and you're making it your romantic partner's job to meet your needs then ultimately you will be disappointed because no matter how perfect no matter how good they give they give they give you actually develop an addiction to them because you have an emptiness inside of yourself and you're now going to someone else to fulfill that hole. And I'm experiencing this firsthand right now. I'm in a relationship and it's been about nine months and <clears throat> I want to travel more. And I love traveling. And at the same time, I have brought a lot of addiction and ego and salvation chasing into my how I travel. So for example, if you go back a couple of years when I was working on Wall Street, I did not like my job. I did not like the people I was hanging out with. I just overall was not fulfilled in my life. And so I traveled a lot by myself to very foreign countries. I would spend a lot of money. I would eat a lot of good food, but I would eat unhealthy. And so for me, travel was very addictive. It was very much an escape. And I want to talk more about addiction in a second in the context of relationships and also in the context of what we've been talking about with this sort of salvation con um, concept. And this, again, comes from this book that I'm referencing, Practicing the Power of Now. And in so in my past, I would travel either to try and find salvation, chasing salvation through addictive behaviors or like getting trying to get dopamine hits. And the other reason travel was unhealthy because I was doing it in a very isolating way to try to avoid human interaction. And that actually is something that I want to also talk about, which is the avoidance of relationships. And right in this chapter of this book, it says, avoidance of relationships in an attempt to avoid pain is not the answer either. And that is very similar to any kind of social isolation, whether it's with friends, whether it's in the context of business, whether it's in the context of relationships. I see this a lot, for example, in the context of online business and entrepreneurship as I've scaled my podcast and my business to six figures and beyond I have a lot of people they, they call me up and they want coaching sessions on hey how can I make more money and I tell them oh well go to a networking event or go put on your own event of sorts and people are like no 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 I want to sell an online course I want to do a pre-recorded webinar where I don't show my face I, people are so interested in gravitating towards Actually, and it's so funny that people are so interested in just trying to make money without the human interaction. And sometimes it's very common that these people are avoiding the avoidance of relationships in an attempt to avoid pain. They don't like their job, which could potentially be fixed if they were able to face their emotions and confront their boss, for example. So they say, oh, if I can have this online business where I don't have to deal with people, then I'll be really happy. And I got a phone call the other night um, or the other day, I was just walking down the street in New York City, 
and I got a voicemail, and it's this guy, and he's saying, do you want to make, um, he, first of all, he pretended to know me. It's so funny, these marketers. He pretends to know me. Uh, he says, hey, Brendan, it's been a while. Uh, wanted to catch up. By the way, I just wanted to let you know that um, me and all my people on my team, we're all making $10,000 a week. <laughs> it's just, like, ridiculous to even repeat this out loud. We're all making 10K a week, and we're not talking to other human beings. We're not doing any phone calls. We're not doing all that. If you want to learn how to do this too, go to my website and we'll teach you blah, blah, blah. I just thought that was so funny because he's calling me and yet he's telling you that his system doesn't require calling people. So anyway, just if you're in, I I know a lot of my listeners, I know a lot of you guys are online entrepreneurs and I don't want to discourage you from, I have online courses, I have an online membership program. What's up, Master Academy members? Yet there is still a huge in-person element to what I do and I think it's very valuable to play with with both. And so to close the loop on the story I was telling you about addictive travel and isolation and how I was blaming my partner and, again, just looking externally, what Eckhart Tolle would say, using this relationship to find salvation rather than consciousness. Because what happened was I started to attack my partner. And he says, if you're experiencing both love and the opposite of love, which is attack, or emotional violence, or even physical violence, then it is likely that you're confusing ego attachment and addictive clinging with love. So I'll stop right there and I'll just tell the rest of the story, which is, I love traveling. I've already laid out some of the reasons why traveling has not been healthy for me. However, there are many reasons why it is, and I do enjoy it, and I think it's very fulfilling when done right. When I don't go too fast, when I'm traveling with other people, for example, those are both healthy things. And so I really want to travel, and yet... My partner is working through her own financial issues and um, overcoming other fears. And so wasn't like pushing the pedal forward to plan a trip with me. And then I turned around and started attacking and basically blaming my unhappiness and my emptiness and my lack of salvation and fulfillment on her not wanting to plan a trip with me or her not taking enough action towards planning it because she is planning it with me. And then what I realized was the problem isn't her lack of action toward this trip. The problem has nothing to do with the trip. The problem has to do with my own job. It's my own job to find fulfillment and find consciousness in my life and putting it onto another person. And part of the reason why there's so much conflict in intimate relationships, especially today, is because we all live in this world where we go on social media or we look on TV or wherever, And we see people living these like high dopamine hitting lives where they're traveling and making a lot of money and all these things. And so there's this constant look externally for fulfillment. And we do that, especially in intimate relationships, because that's the person we're generally spending the most time with. So we latch on to them and try to get them to fulfill our needs. So I'm I'm feeling unfulfilled which it's my own job to either find inner peace, which Eckhart Tolle calls the now, and there are all these mindfulness practices I could do just to literally sit in a room and find inner peace. Or if I really want to go on a trip, I can either be more proactive about my trip with my partner, or I can go and um, plan my own trip with other friends or a group. Yet instead, I find an opportunity for what's called like an ego attack or going from a love relationship to a hate relationship in the context of an addictive relationship, So remember we said, if your relationship, if in your relationship you experience both love and the opposite of love, then it's an ego relationship. 
cannot love your partner one moment and attack him or her the next. That There's just no such thing as love there. Because true love has no opposite. If your love has an opposite, if you go back and forth, and this is the game that most relationships play, good, bad, good, bad. But the, the fascinating thing is even the good is a problem. Right? The bad is obviously bad because it's attack. But the cycle repeats from the bad back up to the good. And the, what the good really is, is it's you're meeting, it's, it's okay to meet your partner's needs and to be there for your partner. But it's when the good is you are fulfilling your partner in a way where they could be fulfilling themselves and vice versa. Because true love has no opposite. If your love has an opposite, it's an ego need for wanting to be more complete and wanting a true sense of yourself. And you're basically having your partner temporarily meet those needs. So what happens is things, if, if you're in this cycle, it just gets to a point where more negative than positive happens and then ultimately the relationship can collapse. It's essentially like an addiction or a drug and just gets worse and worse and worse. So let's talk about why we even get addicted to our partners. We talked about it's related to not having a strong enough sense of yourself. And rather than finding hard but proven ways to enhance your sense of self, you go to your partner. And why are we doing this? Why do we even have this void? Why are we unfulfilled? Why do we seek salvation? It's generally because we have pain. And to get Buddhist on you guys, the first noble truth of Buddhism is that life has inevitable suffering. And I think that's something that many people in this world are in denial about. And I don't think there's a good forum, especially in the United States, for people to get in touch with their pain and express it and feel it and process it. And that, in combination with the way drugs are prescribed, can basically summarize why there's an opioid problem in our country. But I believe that this is a problem that goes far beyond prescription pills, and it goes into social media, it goes into alcohol and drugs and pornography, and you've heard me talk about this on other podcasts. I had Mad Dob shoots on the show to talk about how to quit porn, and also why, peop- why men specifically, but women too, are so addicted to this. And so let's bring in Eckhart Tolle to talk a little bit about what addiction means and why there's so much of it and why there's specifically so much addiction in the context of relationships. So, and this is like one of my favorite quotes. I love this. It says, every addiction arises from an unconscious refusal to face and move through your own pain. So first of all, we have, we have pain. That's life. The Buddha said life is suffering or to live will inevitably come with suffering. And so we have this pain inside of us. And generally what we do, what everyone does, whether or not you're in a relationship, is you mask the pain with alcohol, food, fantasy football, TV, Netflix. There's a million different things that we can do to avoid the pain. But the first step is to just acknowledge that you have pain. And the more pain that you have built up inside of you, the more likely that if you're in an intimate relationship that you're going to project that pain onto your partner or going back to what I was saying earlier, remember, after the honeymoon phase is passed, there's so much unhappiness and pain in intimate relationships, not because your partner causes pain, but because they bring out the pain and happiness that is already in you. So you see how we've connected the dots a little bit here. We have 
we talked about earlier how when you're so mad, so angry at your partner, so unhappy with your relationship, you're blaming your partner for your pain. And now we're talking about addiction and we're talking about unhappiness, inevitable painful feelings. I'm not saying everyone inevitably has to be unhappy all the time. I'm just saying you can't go through life without having fear, anger, shame, pain, guilt come up. People who are happiest and most successful in life aren't ones who don't feel those emotions, don't have those experience of those emotions. The most successful ones are the people who are most in touch with those emotions and have tools and people and skills, not people in the sense to correct and solve those needs, but maybe people like a coach or a therapist who can help share more tools and hold space for them to do their own inner work around their pain. So we have here, every addiction arises from an unconscious refusal to face and move through your own pain. Every addiction starts with pain and ends with pain. And whatever you're addicted to, alcohol, food, legal or illegal drugs, or a person, and in my book I have or a person circled and it says relationship addiction, you are using something or somebody to cover up your pain. And if you've ever met someone, I'm sure you have a friend. If you're listening to this right now, I bet you you either have a friend or you specifically yourself, maybe it's a parent or you yourself have done this. Call up your friend and you bitch and you moan about your romantic partner, about something they did or something they didn't do wrong, or a pattern, or this has been going on for a while. And then you say to your friend or someone says to you, well, then just break up with them. And then you hang up and you don't. And it's because you're addicted to the cycle. You're actually addicted to that person. And as much as they cause you pain or you think they cause you pain, you're still addicted to them. So pay attention to this cycle. Again, the, the, the topic of this episode is from addictive to enlightened relationships. Right? And, and so, so we've talked a lot about what is an addictive relationship. Most people are in an addictive relationship, very focused on how can my partner fulfill me, make me happy, and if I'm feeling pain, it's their fault, right? In this drama cycle that we've talked a lot about. But what is an enlightened relationship? Probably sitting here saying, Brendan, you're you're talking a lot of hate on relationships. So how do I do it right? And so the first thing to notice, like I was saying earlier, is watch for isolation. So for someone who is either in a relationship and catches themselves distancing some themselves from their partner or that you're single and you're, I don't want a relationship, I'm not looking for a relationship. I do want to say that avoidance of relationships is also a way to avoid pain, and that's not the answer either. <laughs> Tolle says, three failed relationships in as many years are more likely to force you into awakening than three years on a desert island or shut away in your room. But how do we actually create what's called an enlightened relationship? And before I even get into what Buddhism says or what Eckhart Tolle says, I'll just share a Christian definition that I see a lot, both in the Bible and um, there's a guy named Miles Monroe, M-Y-L-E-S, who's great. And he talks a lot about that. This is his definition of relationships. He was from the Bahamas. He passed away. He was a fantastic pastor. And he says that, His definition of love, he talks a lot about love as a feeling versus love as an emotion. And most people think of love as an emotion. Oh, I feel love towards this person right now. But if you feel love towards them now, they could do something that might be unconscious or hurtful. 
And then you don't feel that emotion. You don't feel that love, and therefore you're not loving the person. He says, love is not an emotion. And I totally agree with this. I totally subscribe to this. Love is not an emotion. Love is a decision. Love is something that you decide. So what is the decision? The decision, what love is, is it's a decision to unconditionally decide to meet the needs of your partner with nothing in exchange for life. It's basically taking everything we've been talking about and flipping it on its head, right? Because most people go into the relationship saying, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting that, my partner's not doing this, my partner's not doing that. And one of the most powerful things you can do is just go unconditionally love and accept your partner and not please them and not fill them up right it's not it's that would be the opposite of what we've been talking about saying oh it's not your it's not your job to go now give your partner salvation and meet all their ego needs but it's to totally and unconditionally accept them as they are and love them no matter what so that's one definition of love from Miles Monroe Eckhart Tolle says the key is to bring presence and deepen your presence into the now. And that's the key for love to flourish. Because if you're either stuck in obsessive thoughts or you're stuck in some kind of emotional pain, you're not truly present with where you're at. He calls it the pain body. He calls it watching the mind. The pain body is like an accumulation of all of your painful emotions that are inside of you. And what Eckhart says is feel your emotions by coming deeply into the now and into the power of presence and then releasing it and then you transmute that pain and you shift from being an ego to being in your true self. That is how you have freedom, salvation, and enlightenment. And then bringing that experience of your life into the relationship will transform it from an addictive relationship to an enlightened relationship. A way to simplify this, probably the most simple definition or the most simple strategy for creating a deep, lasting, and fulfilling relationship is based on this concept of consciousness or conscious awareness, which is very much overlapping with what I'm talking about here in terms of letting go of pain. So... consciousness is very much a blend of presence, being physically in your body, being very much in touch with what emotions are inside of you, as well as having great clarity around what's happening in your mind as far as thought. So if you can watch your thoughts, pay attention to what's happening in your mind, as well as being very connected to your physical body, That is very much living in consciousness. Now, there's a lot more to what it means to be conscious. However, what I'll say first is that a relationship will thrive if you have two people who are conscious. Two people who practice consciousness. They practice all of this inner growth individually and together if they'd like although that's not necessary if they're both independently conscious, and then they come together and they create a conscious relationship. And I don't know if this is in this book, Practicing the Power of Now, but if you go into 
The Power of Now, the larger book, it talks about how conscious relationships are as rare as conscious human beings. And it's much more in the minority than the majority so far. And to continue to pull on this thread of talking about love being inside of you, it's really love being consciousness. It's, it says that love is a state of being. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a state of who you are. Miles Monroe says it's a decision, and I agree with what he's saying. And then here, this interpretation is love is a state of being. Your love is not outside. It's deep within you. You can't lose it, and I would also say no one can take it away from you. It's not dependent on someone else. It's not dependent on anything external. This content is both very awakening and inspiring, yet also very scary and very challenging. I know that I'm going to get a lot of pushback from this episode. I know that this is challenging a lot of people's egoic minds. And I wanted to do an episode today on business and talk about how much money I'm making. And, you know, I've had, I've had spiritual people come on to my podcast and we talk about feelings and we talk about emotions and we talk about all this stuff. And then we stop recording and they're like, Brandon, how are you making money online? Do an episode on that. And if you guys want, just send me messages. I'm happy to do another money episode. And I think my next episode is actually going to be with a guy named Chris Harder, who's a great guy, and his wife is Lori Harder. And he's a money coach, and we'll be talking plenty about money. But I'm really glad that I chose this as the topic today, because this is really what it's all about. Both in the context of relationships, but also in the context of your own self-development, which I think is so cool, because if you're doing this work, like a relationship is going to bring out much more pain than if you're not in the relationship. And that goes back to... Um, the, the whole thing about the avoidance of relationships in an attempt to avoid pain is not the answer. Step into a relationship. Don't stay in a toxic relationship. Don't stay in a relationship where your partner is not willing to be conscious or not willing to do the work or is, for example, any type of emotional or physical abuse, I recommend leaving immediately. But if you have this opportunity to, for example, make the, your relationship your spiritual practice, it will accelerate your growth tremendously because it will bring out more pain. And as long as you're aware of what's going on and you're bringing presence and you're practicing all these tools, that's actually a really good thing. Now, let's talk a little bit about... I've taught this, these concepts before and I've had a lot of people say to me, well, this is all great and I see how you know, you could go do this or I could go do this. But what if I'm doing all this work and reading all this stuff and my partner is not? Should I stay or should I go? Based on your definition of consciousness. And the cool thing about it is you don't even have to decide because it'll sort of work its way out. It's almost like a relationship having gravity. You guys are floating when things are good, but it'll drop and here's how. So we've talked about this concept of consciousness in the context of a relationship being very much going deep inside yourself, holding presence, doing your inner work, coming to a relationship, being very aware and taking tremendous accountability and responsibility for your own pain, not blaming your partner, and unconditionally loving them no matter what. And so the question is, Brendan, if I'm doing all that and I'm conscious, 
what if my partner's unconscious? Should I stay or should I go? Should I go find a conscious partner is basically the question. And that question is, the answer to that question, is, I would say by saying, and this is what, and this is from, again, this book, the Practicing the Power of Now, is unconsciousness and knowing cannot coexist for long. Even if the knowing is only in the other person, the conscious one, you, and not in the one who is unconscious. There's an energy and there's a problem that's going to happen and it butt heads. The energy from the unconscious partner. So it says the energy form that lies behind hostility and attack finds the presence. So the unconscious person finds the conscious person absolutely intolerable. Because what's happening is, let's say I'm conscious, my partner's not. They'll start attacking me. Because they want, they miss that cycle of drama, for example. And I'm not replenishing their ego or feeding their pain body by attacking back. I'm just saying, it would be like if my partner said, Brendan, you do all this wrong and you do that wrong and you're terrible. And I'm just sitting there saying, hmm. So I am observing that you're feeling a lot of anger <laughs> based on <laughs> based on your, your behaviors. Would, would you like some strategies on how to um, calm down right so that would be me responding consciously to an unconscious party now it says here if you if you react at all if you if you become unconscious in response to your partner's unconsciousness then boom you're unconscious and then you're on their level and then you have no right to leave because you're basically both doing the same thing but however what he says here is that the consciousness and the unconsciousness can't exist. And there, somewhere else in this book, I know it talks about this concept of when you bring total consciousness into a relationship. And again, that should be your goal because that's very hard to achieve and that requires consistent work. So I would recommend that your goal in any relational development is to just triple down on your own development of your own consciousness stop worrying about your partner and focusing on them because guess what if they're unconscious you chose them and there's no such thing as if one person's unconscious both people are unconscious because to choose someone who's unconscious is to be unconscious that's also discussed in um, a book called no more mr nice guy robert glover He wrote this book, Dr. Robert Glover, called No More Mr. Nice Guy, which is a great book. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it already. And he used to talk about men who would pick women. And this goes in any gender. It doesn't matter. One partner who's in, let's say, a better place in life. They have a job. They have a career. They have money. They're relatively happy and not depressed. But people like that who are consistently picking and choosing and dating and developing these relationships with people who are in really bad places, or you could call it maybe dysfunctional or unconscious. And these men or these partners would go to Dr. Lover, they'd go to their therapist and say, yeah, this relationship, it's, it's their fault. They do this, they do that, and this is all their problem. And he says, no, this is just as much your fault as it is there. Because, if, because you chose them and you choose every day to stay with them and complain about them and play victim. So what Dr. Lover says is if, if one person is 
is uh, unconscious than, than both are, right? If, if there's one dysfunctional person in a relationship, then there are two. Because the person who says they're not unconscious, or they're saying, I'm, yeah, I'm not unconscious, it's just my partner, to project that and to blame them and to stay and to co-create that is to be dysfunctional, is to be unconscious. So one of my biggest takeaways from this episode would be to bring it back to you. Bring deep awareness and take more responsibility for yourself. Because let's say you're right. Let's say your partner is an addict. Let's say your partner is totally unconscious, totally unavailable, totally avoidant, totally insecure. You co-created that relationship. You chose them. And whether or not you realize it, maybe you didn't do it consciously. Maybe it was an unconscious pattern, but it was still a pattern and that's still on you to heal. So we're talking a lot about the relationships chapter of the power of now. But if you want to develop consciousness, go to the other chapters too, because that talks a lot about it. Or go look at anything that I've said that you'll see on my website about the mind or any of these teachings I teach in my Master Academy program or my other programs. So that's, that's the, basically the difference between a, an addictive relationship and an enlightened relationship. And here's, here's a really interesting thing. This, again, goes to should I stay or should I go? I'm conscious. They're unconscious. What, what's going to happen? And it's really it's going to work itself out because here it says being the knowing creates a clear space of loving presence that allows all things and all people to be as they are, i.e. living in consciousness, living in presence, living in awareness, living inside of yourself and pursuing inner peace through your own work creates this loving presence that allows anything to transform. Then he says, no greater catalyst for transformation exists. If you practice this, your partner cannot stay with you and remain unconscious. It's actually crazy to realize. So let's say I'm emotionally healthy and available and my partner's not. And I'm now unhappy because of that. What I used to do was say, hey, you're not doing this right. You're doing this wrong. It's making me unhappy. <clears throat> I.e., I am now becoming unconscious and I'm blaming and I'm attacking and I'm exhibiting criticism and contempt, which are two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and relationships according to John Gottman. So I was conscious, my partner's not, I became unconscious, it made my partner more unconscious, and now we're both at the same level, and I have no right to complain about this relationship because I'm just as guilty of this type of behavior as my partner now. The solution is I'm conscious, my partner's unconscious, is to double down on my consciousness, which means don't judge, don't criticize, don't hold in contempt, don't blame examine my pain that I'm feeling, right? I'm supposedly conscious, my partner's not. I now feel emotional pain. I then start to attack and blame my partner and I say it's their fault as a way to avoid facing my own pain. If you can transform and say, I'm gonna take responsibility for this pain, I'm gonna examine it, and I'm just going to love my partner no matter what, I'm going to live in consciousness and your partner will either rise to the occasion, which happens all the time, that's usually what happens. And then in a smaller percentage of the, of the times, usually if you're dealing with a partner who is like has an extreme addiction, then they'll just 
they'll be so overwhelmed by your consciousness that they can't stay and they'll actually leave because they just can't tolerate it because they need to feed their ego and to feed their pain body. So if you both agree that the relationship will be your spiritual practice, so much the better. This is what Eckhart Tolle says. You can express your thoughts and feelings to each other as soon as they occur or as soon as the reaction comes up. So as not to create a time gap in which unexpressed or unacknowledged emotion can build. That's where resentment and anger comes up. So it's essentially the goal is to practice this and also ideally be with someone who's willing to practice this as well. This is why if you're not in a relationship yet, I definitely recommend paying attention and looking for someone who's open and either ideally already doing personal development work on themselves or at least they're open to it. So there's a lot more that I could talk about here. But the main takeaway that I want to share with you today is what is an enlightened relationship? What is an addictive relationship? Why do most relationships fail? Latest statistics show that 50% of first marriages fail, 60% of second, and more than 70% of third marriages are failing now in the U.S., out of the 50% that don't fail, meaning they don't end in divorce, what percentage of those are still probably addictive or unenlightened? Or we're staying together for the kids, or we're staying together because it's easier, or we're staying together for financial reasons, or we're staying together because I don't think I can do better. Majority of the world's relationships are addictive relationships and usually break down pretty quickly. On the other hand, we have enlightened relationships, which do take work, and it is scary, and it does require facing pain and fear and shame and overwhelm, but everything that you need to create that and co-create that with someone else is available with access to books. You could go to brandonhburns.com and read and listen to my podcast episodes and read my articles for free and get pretty much what you need to know just from there. Miles Monroe, the pastor from the Bahamas who I mentioned before he says that most people's problems in life could be are, could be solved by books that they have on their shelves in their homes that they haven't read and I'll just close with this point which he talks about which is if you want to drive a car you have to do many hours of driver's ed you have to take a road test you have to study you have to pass a written test if you want to fly an airplane, it's even more work. You have to um, get your certifications. You have to get a certain amount of pilot hours. You have to get a pilot's license, all these things. Yet, if you wanted to get married tomorrow and you were with someone who was willing to do that, you could have even met just that day. You can go to City Hall and you can go and get a marriage license same day no training no education no work that goes into this and this stuff for the most part is not taught in school it's not really taught anywhere so what i would leave you with is invest in yourself invest in understanding what a healthy relationship is invest in going from addictive to enlightened relationships there's so much available, like I said, just through my podcast. I've done episodes on masculine and feminine energy, on attachment theory, attachment styles. I've had PhDs, TEDx speakers come on, and you can hear me and you can hear them all talk just on the Brendan Burns Show about relationships. You can go on my website. You can go on my group coaching program, Mastery Academy. We have a whole online course on relationships in there. 
You can go on YouTube. You can do Eckhart Tolle, Tony Robbins talks about relationships, Jimmy Evans, Miles Monroe. There's so much available out there for free or for very little amounts of money. And that is how you can create and co-create a healthy, intimate relationship. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of The Brandon Burns Show. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Lastly, if you're looking to take your personal life, business, or career to the next level and you want access to me as well as my community of like-minded people, head over to courses.brendanhburns.com and join us in Mastery Academy, my membership site that comes with online course content as well as live coaching calls every two weeks hosted by me personally. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.